Due to lockdown, most of us haven't traveled much further than work for the last year, so some adventure is much needed. The two films we're talking about today deal with road trips and finding yourself. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. This week we are looking at the 1990 David Lynch film Wild at Heart and the 2020-2021 film Nomadland. Uh, these are both films about getting out and, and traveling and seeing seeing your country a little bit and you know, getting out and having some adventure. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan. And I'm your other host, Rob. I assume you want to start with the 1990 film? Keep with the yeah. motif of older film first? Yeah. Uh, this is a film that I had not even heard of before we decided we were going to cover it. And this is David Lynch's adaptation of a book of the same name by Barry Guilford. It stars Nicolas Cage, Laura Dern, Diane Ladd, and William Dafoe. And Crispin Glover for about five minutes. Yes, Crispin Glover has a cameo, and that made me... It made me happy. I like seeing him in things. Yeah, he he's always a pleasant face. Yes. But like you said, this movie isn't very easy to find. No, this is a hard film to track down. Uh, yeah, I felt like, looking forward to watch, I felt like I was back in like the early days of the internet and had to find like one of those legendary like bootlegged films that yeah. just leaks online. But after a couple of days of searching and not having any luck with streaming, I decided to buy it. Yeah, which is weird because it's not like it flew under the radar. I mean, it it was Oscar nominated. It won the Palme d'Or. Like this isn't just a low budget film that got forgotten. And it's it stars Nicolas Cage, who in 1990 was at the peak of his career. He yeah. just won the Oscar. He's been doing heavy hitters such as Con Air and uh, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. So and Laura Dern getting her career going. She'd be in Jurassic Park a couple years after this, and yeah, Willem She's Dafoe. She's had a steady career ever since. Actually, Diane Ladd, who plays her mother in the movie, is her actual mother, which is pretty cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not Laura know Dern that. has done a number of films with David Lynch. I think she was even in Twin Peaks for a while, but I'm not sure if Diane Ladd worked with him again. But she's got a showy role in this movie. She's yeah. uh <laughs> She's really doing a, a role she's not used to doing. Yes, and that's one thing about David Lynch movies is that they are heightened reality all the way. Oh, yeah. It took me a couple films to really understand his style, and now that I get it, I think I need to go back and watch some of his other stuff that I didn't like on a first viewing. Yes, I agree with you there. I, I, uh, I have a couple of his films, and Blue Velvet took me a few tries to really get into. That's still one I haven't seen because like, I'm kind of nervous to watch it. I, I, everyone hypes it up, and I... I know I don't really care for David Lynch's style, but now I'm getting it, so I might yeah. try it next. It's it's a little different than this. It's a little cooler, a little more of a character study, but I think if you can get into this, you can get into that. It has a lot of similar elements. I, I don't think I would have gotten into this as quickly as I did if it weren't for Nicolas Cage. A, <laughs> yes. because he's my favorite acting actor right now. And B, his performance is just so bizarre. And I know for Nick Cage, that's kind of like what you expect. But this is early, like dramatic, serious Nick Cage. Yeah, this is Nick Cage just having a blast. He does all of his scenes with this weird Elvis impersonation. 
and he he gets to sing some Elvis songs too, which is kind of a delight. Yeah, just, he he's got a decent singing voice, which I wouldn't really expect. And yeah. just another thing about his character is just the costumes he wears. He's got this really gaudy snakeskin jacket. Yeah, and his name is Sailor, which is weird. I wonder that's that's an odd name. It's got to be like a road name. Yeah, it, it, it's you know his it's his nom de plume. It's a name that he took yeah. from uh, somewhere. It's it's real. Uh, it's a heightened reality movie. He's he's doing some interesting things. David Lynch does some interesting things. The pacing in his films tends to be very slow, mm-hmm. especially in dialogue heavy scenes. There'll be long pauses between lines sometimes. Yes, and but this one, be... Wild at Heart, I think started pretty quickly for a a Lynch film. But around yeah. the beginning of the second act, it started slowing down. Yes, I think that happens because this was an adaptation of an of a different or of a book whereas mm-hmm. lynch tends to write a lot of his stories as well and i think that really kind of lends some credence or kind of lends that sort of style to it that being said this is a lynch film through and through yes and also i'm a sucker for a good road trip movie mm-hmm. which is the theme of this week's episode so do, do you think this took the road trip trope in a good way yeah, I think it did some really interesting things with it. It kind of gave a lot of road trip movies the... If there is a villain at all, it's sort of like a concept or, you know, they just need yeah. to accomplish something by a certain time. Yeah, or but, it's like a, a road trip that just kind of yeah. switches perspective throughout. Yes, and and it, that, the, the film kind of does that here, but it's never for more than five minutes. Yes, and having Willem Dafoe as a genuinely unhinged villain i think really makes this feel a lot more tense yes. which is good um let's do a quick plot synopsis because it's a road trip movie why are they on yeah. the road well they're on the road because they're running away from uh, <laughs> <laughs> so diane ladd who plays uh laura dern's mother who's her actual mother, lula is her character uh wants to kill sailor partially because he doesn't want to be with the mother and partially because she doesn't want him to be with her daughter so she she, hires essentially hires hitmen to track him down from new orleans to california to kill him yeah it's and they're going off to see a show and there's all this this crazy stuff and yeah there's like b threads and c sets throughout but it's it's about the adventure yes and also wizard of oz it is very much about wizard of oz (laughs) There's a ton of Wizard of Oz references in this movie. Yes. Some of them are more subtle than others. Yeah. uh, There's one in particular, it's towards the end of the film, that is blatant Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to spoil it. but There's a bit earlier on, too, where um, uh, Lulu sees a vision of her mother as the Wicked Witch of the West on her broomstick. It's real weird. (laughs) This movie, like, it feels like a nightmare. It, Lynch films often feel like a fever dream or a nightmare. Yes. So I watched this late on a Friday night. It was like 11 o'clock, so I was kind of drifting a little. And parts of this movie, I'm not sure if they were in the movie or <laughs> if I was dreaming them. <laughs> and I feel like if you had been wide awake, you know, with, with a cup of coffee, you might still feel that way. So. That's how I felt with Eraserhead. <laughs> 
Yeah, Eraserhead is... Uh, it's wild. It's so weird. And he didn't get more normal after that. No, if anything, he got worse. Yeah. And Glover has a short scene in this movie where he plays a crazy person. And I feel like they may have just called up Christopher Glover and been like, Hey, so want to just come be yourself for a few days on set? I feel like he was only on set for a day or two, if yeah. that. Because he's, he's in the movie for about five minutes, and it's it's like a story that... It's Willem Dafoe's character telling it, yes. if I remember correctly. And David Lynch is really good with show, don't tell. Yes. And I really appreciate that, because if he just had characters speaking without showing the actual story, I would 100% fall asleep during this movie. Yeah. And not saying it's uninteresting, it's just the pacing's long, and... There's stretches where it's just two people in a car. Yes. Uh, do you, have you ever seen Pet Cemetery, the original one? Yes. Not the one. For, um, that sequence reminded me of that bit in Pet Cemetery when uh, they're talking about the the boy from the war that had been buried in the cemetery, and it's the same sort of telling a story and seeing it getting acted out with yes. a crazy person. Yes. And it it didn't take him out of the movie at all, but it's like, oh, so this guy is just totally crazy so this world is really messed up okay yeah. cool i know where we are now yeah and all the characters david lynch shows on screen they're not any more normal than nick cage's character like mm-hmm. for the most part cage's character is the most normal he's just unhinged but yeah you got characters like barking at their tv you got <laughs> willem dafoe's character's got a whole mouth of baby teeth yep it's really it's just it's a nightmare it's so strange and it, it really lends to that lynchian feel but it's just, it's so messed up and uh i'm not always the biggest fan of nicholas cage i can find him to be too overpowering a flavor in a movie if that makes sense yeah but i think here he fits right in and i think it makes the movie better for it yeah he's just overacting with other overactors and it yes. makes everything feel normal yes so his his weird uh affectation of elvis i think fits right in with all these other crazy people oh for sure um as far as other david lynch movies goes where do you rank this on on that chart? um i would rank this on the high part of the middle i think uh of the ones that i've i've not seen all of his films i've seen most of them I still haven't seen The Straight Story, which is his, quote, normal movie. But uh, I would rank it somewhere between, like, The Elephant Man towards the bottom, honestly, mm-hmm. and then Blue Velvet probably towards the top. I would rank it somewhere in the middle. Yeah. From the three that I've seen and most of Twin Peaks, I would probably rank this as my favorite. Um, I gotta be honest, most of that's due to Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and Willem Dafoe. They're both two of my favorite yeah. actors. I wish that they had had... I think it's the only movie I can think of that has the two of them in it, and they were great. Yeah, I would I would love to see them paired up again. Yeah. Actually, I think they were in another movie recently, um, Dog Eat Dog, if I remember correctly. I'm not familiar with that, but that would be a lot of fun. Let me. Yeah, Nick Cage, Willem Dafoe, they're both the leads. Oh, awesome! I'll have to check that out. That could be. Uh, I haven't good time. seen it. I haven't seen it, but it's uh, it's like a mob movie. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm looking that up right now because I'm not <laughs> familiar. When did it come out? Uh, 2016? 
It premiered at Toronto Film Fest, I think, 2016 okay. or 2017. Is that where you saw it? I actually haven't watched it. I tried okay. to see it, but it was sold out. Oh, and it's Paul Schrader. Yes. Who, uh, that's that's something definitely to uh, check out. Three former prisoners. The other one is uh, Matthew Cook, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, they're hired to kidnap a baby. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like, oh man, this could be a lot of fun. We should do that some week. We definitely should. Uh, any uh, any other thoughts on no. Wild at Heart? Um, no, nothing, nothing that really, nothing I can think of. All right. Uh, that brings us on to 2020-2021's Nomadland. The release date's kind of nebulous. It just had a real, like a series of soft releases and then just was put on Hulu finally. There was supposed to be a wider release, but it doesn't seem to have happened, which I think is probably for the best. Yeah. I think with Hulu, more people are going to be able to watch it, especially yes. since it got... I It won a bunch of Golden Globes, correct? Uh, it won Best Drama and it um, won Best Director. Okay. And then uh, Frances McDormand was nominated. Yeah, she was nominated for Best Actress. She did not win. I don't know. Rosamund Pike won. Oh, Rosamund. Okay, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Rosamund Pike. We just talked about that, of course. Yes. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I think she was also quite good in that, although we'll get into it. I, I think that uh, Frances Norman did a very good job here as well. Mm-hmm. She um, She's always excellent, and her performance in this was probably one of the better things she's done. Yes. But a basic plot of Nomadland is a woman goes on a journey by herself living as a living in a van as a nomad. She quits her job and just takes to the road. She had uh, worked in a mine for a while in the HR department, apparently. And then just her husband dies and she just needed to get out. So she, you know bought a van and just lived in a very nomadic lifestyle yeah. and uh, and she she like quits once in a while and goes to work for a couple of months saves some money and then hits yeah. the road again yeah just you know that there's you see a number a number of other people in that lifestyle throughout the film uh, many of whom are actual people who live that lifestyle and they'll work at a place for six weeks eight weeks save up some money and then you know go live at the, on like a parking lot for a while or something yes it's really fascinating and everyone knows each other they don't say bye they say see you down the road yeah it's a very interesting subculture that i personally never really thought of apart from like oh it's just retired people traveling the country in their yeah. rv but no there it's a lot more to that and i'm glad i know more about it now it's uh it's cinema verite to the point where you could be easily mistaken that this is a documentary. Yes. It's, it feels like it's a dramatization of a real person's life. Yes. Uh, the book that it's based on is more or less of a guide compared to the narrative that this film has. Okay. Uh, from what I have not read it, but from what I understand, yeah. it's more of a, like a nonfiction story, like telling some of the, the, the stories of people who do this. In fact, uh, Bob Wells is a character in the book. Um, and he's in the, the film. He's a guy who looks like Santa Claus. Yes. <laughs> who's uh, He's like the main reason she takes to the room. Yes. And he espouses his philosophy. And it, it's it's pretty cool. There's um, you know people like that who are 
in the film and are largely telling their own stories. Yes, I like. I didn't know it was actual nomads that they got, but having known that kind of makes me like the movie even more. Yeah, and even uh, looking at the cast list, they're all just playing themselves. Most of them are uh, David Strathairn and Peter Spears, uh, who I believe play father and son, are actual actors, but most of the rest of the cast are just people they found. Although I think some of the characters at the end may be actors as well because they have to do more yeah. dramatic heavy lifting. But uh, Swanky, for example, not an actor. Linda, not an actor. Uh, it's it's amazing that Bob wasn't an actor because he gave one of the most emotional lines of dialogue in the yeah. movie. Well, that's his actual story. Is it? He's, he's telling his actual story. Yeah, I did not know that. I I should have done some more research on this. I just I, I honestly watched it last night, so I didn't yeah. really have time. It's yeah, I watched it Sunday, and it's uh, you know, not a time when normally I wouldn't watch a movie in like the mid afternoon on a Sunday. But that's when I watched it, and I think it was really just kind of affecting. The sun was going down while I was mm-hmm. watching it, and it just it felt appropriate to do so. Speaking of the sun, one of the my favorite parts of this movie is all the exterior wide shots. Like oh, just yeah. shots of her driving in the Midwestern wilderness mm-hmm. are beautiful. Sun's going down, you see the mountains, the the dusty terrain. It's just incredibly shot. Yeah, there's there's not really a story. I mean, there is a story, but it's more like a character development. Yeah. And that allows the movie to just stop for two minutes at a time and have just scenes of landscapes and it not to feel gratuitous Mm -hmm. it feels earned and And, i really liked that and similar to wild at heart it did a ton of show don't tell like the scenes with uh fern uh, francis mcdormand's character of her just walking and looking at natural like cliffs and water and things there's not a word of dialogue it's just the music which is also very good and it's very sparse it's just uh, like a piano and a cello for most of Mm -hmm. it and um you can really just feel what she's feeling like everything is shot like big everything's big and all provoking mm-hmm. some really cool uh lands like landscapes and tourist traps and stuff that you see and it's it, it you you kind of feel for uh for fern and yeah. her acting style is so different i mean francis mcdormand is an amazing actress, as we all know, but she can ham it up with the best of them. Mm-hmm. And she's so quiet and restrained here. And that really, and that really helps her character because, like, clearly she's got some trauma. Clearly mm-hmm. she hasn't moved on from her husband's death. And throughout the movie, you just see her loosen up and loosen up and really yeah. find herself. Yeah, she has some fun here and there. And there's there's some really amazing things that she gets to do that just, it's so subtle and... It's it's an incredible performance, and uh, I mean she's been around for a long time, but she and she works when she wants to. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just cool to see her having a string of great performances lately. I mean she was amazing in Three Billboards. And yeah, I was going to say I think the last thing I saw her in was Three Billboards, and this is a complete one eighty from her yeah. character. That was her last live action film role. I mean, she works when she wants to. Yeah. So you know she doesn't need the money. She just she makes must good projects. Script. Yeah. Well, she she helped option the book too. Oh, she helped nice. produce it. Yeah, so she's so she's got some actress. excuse me some personal ties to this book. Yeah, she must have. Um, I know wonder if she, she lived on the road at all. Well, she did. While she was making the film, she lived in that van that her character lives in at least for a part of the film. I'm not sure if she did the entire time. Yeah, 
but yeah, it's it's such a a realistic performance that even some of the other people in the film apparently thought that she was also a nomad who was telling her stories, even though it's an entirely fictitious character. Yeah. I want to talk about the director real quick. Uh, yeah. Chloe Zhao. She's from Beijing. And this is her third movie, her third full-length film. And yes. she's she's she got some critical acclaim for The Rider at Sundance mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. But then she just hit with Nomadland, and she's sweeping, or not sweeping, but getting nominated for a bunch of awards. And yeah. that brings me to her next project, Marvel's Eternals, which is a very different type of film from this. And yes. I'm, I think her directing style, it's very subtle. It's more focused on the characters. I think that could really help the Marvel movies to find other ground apart from just big budget action flicks. Yeah. And since it's since they started making films, Marvel's been amazing about finding interesting filmmakers to lend their own voices to these movies. Mm-hmm. It hasn't always worked out. I think, for example, uh, the Thor movies took some time to really find their feet. There's but, some like background production stuff that happened in the first two phases of Marvel movies, which is why they were all kind of cookie cutter and the same thing. But yeah. after some producers moving around, everything after that has been vastly different. And that's when they really started ramping up and people started thinking, oh, wow, these are actually good movies. So that's why I'm, I'm excited to see a new, fresh take on a Marvel movie with a director who's going to focus more on the characters. Yeah, and I mean, that's what she excels at... The- I mean, this movie is character study, the film, basically. Yes. And that sort of cinema verite is really fascinating to me as well. It feels lived in and real. You mm-hmm. you know so much about Fern without having to be told a lot of it. And I'm really interested to see what she's going to do with such a large film. Yes. So the thing about Nomadland is there's not a ton to say about it. I highly recommend mm-hmm. it, but it really speaks for itself. Yeah. It's all visual and mm-hmm. it works for the better. It made me want to just quit my job and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we've all had days like that. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's such a lived-in world. And there's a lot of really cool thematic stuff you don't pick up on right away. Or at least I didn't pick up on yeah. right away. And it's... I really can't speak highly enough about this film, and the fact that it's just available to anyone on Hulu right now is is pretty cool. This is the kind of thing that normally shows in an art house cinema. You'll mm-hmm. you'll see it for a week, and then no one will ever see it again. Yeah, like five years ago, I think before streaming services really became a thing, it, this would have been treated like a Terrence Malick film, for example. Yeah. Like yeah. the people who want to see it see it, and then it's not really talked about. Yeah, but um, with also with the Oscar noms next week, I think this is going to be nominated for pretty much every award. Yeah, uh, and we had been talking about doing just like a bonus episode about the Oscar nods, just you know, kind of just just chatting without really any structure. And I think mm-hmm. this is going to be revisited pretty quickly in there. I I would be shocked if this is not given yeah. a you know a bunch of a, a bunch of nominations. I will bet money that this will be nominated for. Best picture. Best picture, best actress, possibly best cinematography, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think the editing is definitely interesting. Yes. The music, I think, I really liked the music, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it really fit every scene it was in. Like, there was times when I felt like her character was really somber and thoughtful, just walking. 
but the music was so bombastic around her where I, I just, I personally didn't think it fit. Yes, and uh, the composer uh, seems to be very Italian. Uh, Ludovico Andinati. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, I'm not familiar with his work, but I think I'm going to have to check more of it out. This is such a sparse score. Mm-hmm. It's mostly just a piano and a cello, maybe a full string quartet, but I don't think so. I could only hear three instruments, but I was also more focused on the the plot. But he also scored other things. uh, Dr. Zhivago, apparently, or a TV miniseries of Dr. Zhivago. Um, Not not too much I'm familiar with. The the J. Edgar movie, that's the only other thing I can can see that I'm familiar with. Mostly Uh, Italian films, it looks like. He did a Swedish film called The Untouchables, which got a... An Oscar nom or not uh, not a nom a remake a couple of years ago with yeah. Brian Cranston, and the the Swedish version I'm pretty sure it's Swedish is really incredible, um, and I remember the music being great in that too. Yeah, it, this is definitely a film that I would highly recommend. There's very little that I can find to criticize about it, except maybe that it some of the people towards the end who I think are, are local actors feel a little stiff on camera, but yeah. that's such a minor, minor gripe that uh, it's it not feels, really worth it. It feels a little up. more grounded that way, too. Yeah. My it only al- complaint... Oh, sorry. I was just saying, it, it almost feels like... I've mentioned it before, it almost feels like a documentary. Yeah, it, it certainly does. <laughs> but my only complaint, I mentioned this to you before we start recording, is it felt really Oscar Beatty to me, but... It's not as bad as a lot of the the Harvey Weinstein movies. Yes, uh, yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, I was I was talking to my friend when we were watching this, and obviously there were way worse things that he did that yes. just we're not going to mention because everyone knows them, and it's very you yes. know, disturbing. But one of the things that he did was he just pumped out Oscar bait, and yes. the worst one in my mind is like uh, Shakespeare in Love. Oh yes. Which is so close to being an amazing movie, and then it just gets so Oscar baity towards the end. It's like Oscar by numbers. Yeah, but there's so much there that's clever that I wish it could have been better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's a story for another time. Yeah, but um, as far as road trip films go, how which one do you think did it better, Wild at Heart or No Man Land? I think, in terms of the actual road trip, that. Uh, Wild at Heart is the better road trip film. Yes. There's definitely more of a of a road trip feel, whereas Nomadland feels much more like a character study to me. Yes. It just happens to be on the road. They're so similar, yet so different tonally. It's kind of hard to compare the two. Yeah. They're, they're very, you know, in broad strokes, Wild at Heart is a very hot movie. It's very, yes. you know, it's, action-y or more action-y anyway than... A, it's very showy. Yes, whereas Nomadland is a much colder film. Mm. Even just the color palette is much, much more steeped in blues and browns and greens. Yes. Yeah, uh, there's whenever, a lot of reds in Wild at Heart. Yeah, uh, whenever there's anything that's that's red or or yellow, even it's there on purpose and it's there for a very specific reason, and it really draws your attention. Mm-hmm. The movie just feels cold a lot of the time too. Yeah, it's that, and like, it makes sense because she's out yeah. on the road. She's only got her coat and her van. Yeah, like that, that you know, Saturday morning when you when you camped out in a tent Friday night and you wake up and you can just the cold is almost like a physical thing. It yeah. feels like that a lot of the movie. Yes. 
But if you had to recommend one, which one would you recommend? I mean, I think just for ease of finding it, I'd recommend Nomadland <laughs> because that's readily available right now. Yeah. While they are, like, I'm honestly still shocked at how hard the, the film is to find. Like, you you would think it's on at least some streaming service to rent, yeah. to pay money for, but it's not yeah. even available for that. I had to I had to really dig to find it, so it's uh, it's definitely yeah. an interesting. I mean, experience. I'm sure you could find it through illegal means, but <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I, I decided to YouTube, buy it. So yeah, yeah. I, I may because I enjoyed watching it a lot more than I was expecting to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it makes me really want to watch Leaving Las Vegas now, which is the movie that got him his Oscar. Uh, he's fantastic in that movie. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, we're kind of yeah. meandering. Here, so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really all I got. Um, yeah. Both films are great. I also, or I would recommend Wild at Heart more. I thought it was much more, um, I guess, accessible for modern audiences. I think No Man Land's very... Uh, it's not slow, but it's a slow burn, and if you're not into yeah. character studies, you're not going to like it. Yeah, it's a lot of that film is spent watching, uh, watching Fern react to things and just listen, and that yes. is a type of acting you don't see a ton of in film. But it's it's very cool when done well, and when done poorly, it's almost unwatchable. Yeah. So having a great actress really sold that. So do you want to tell them what we're thinking about for next uh, week? So uh, a friend and a listener of the show has made a request that he wants us to cover uh, Weird Science, which is a you know quintessential 80s comedy movie, you know, those, those sci-fi comedies. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I'm very excited. Yeah, and uh, we couldn't really think about anything for a while. Couldn't think of anything for a while that would pair with it, but we had decided on Psycho Goreman, which is kind of like a... <laughs> A parody through excessiveness of that same kind of thing. Have you watched Psycho Gorman yet? I have not yet, but oh, you're you know, in for I'm, a treat. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I was a little hesitant based on the name, but I think it it looks like it's a lot sillier than the name would imply. Yes, it's definitely a comedy slash horror. It parodies old eighties. I'm gonna say Power Ranger style films, and all the effects are practical. There's very little CGI. That's that's what I like to see. That's yes. great. So that's all I'm gonna say, listeners. I urge you to watch it. It's very fun. Yeah, I think and it's. A, is it on Shutter right now? It will be on Shutter in May. Okay. But yeah, I okay. I rented it when I. Yeah, I'm it. I'm looking forward to uh, checking this one out. All right, and that's I, all I've got to say. That's all I got to say as well. Thank you for listening, and see you next week at the crossroads.